So Pentecost, what do you know about Pentecost? That might be an odd word for some of you or others. You've got an idea what it means, what it signifies. Anyone want to shout out nice and loud anything they know about Pentecost? Baptism of the Holy Spirit, thank you. Anything else? Disciples empowered to do what Jesus wanted them to do. You're either very quiet or you don't know anything, so I can... I can go on for ages, you don't know anything about Pentecost, so that's fine. But uh, we want to, to understand it, uh, but also to experience more of the Spirit's power as we meet together today. It comes from the word Pentecostos in Greek. We haven't got our resident Greek uh, person to, to help us out with that, but I'm told it's Greek for 50th. Greek for 50th. And in the Bible, seven is a significant number. And uh, one of the links is if you have seven weeks of seven, uh, that's 49. And on the 50th day, something significant happens. There's a link in there. It means 50th. So next slide. What's the significance of Pentecost? Well, the Bible tells a wonderful story. It's not just that the Old Testament says one thing and the New Testament says something completely different. There's a, a wonderful synergy in the Bible and things revealed in the Old Testament get fulfilled in the New and one of the, the links with Pentecost is around harvest. Deuteronomy 16.16 16 says this, Three times a year, all the men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. So at that time in Israel, they had three main harvests, and the middle one was the Festival of Weeks, or Shavuot, and that's what we're thinking about around Pentecost. So Passover, there was a Festival of Unleavened Bread in the end of the barley harvest, and then seven weeks go by, and the 50th day, Pentecost, the start of the wheat harvest. So there's a link with harvest. And one of the features about the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came in power is in Acts 2 that we read earlier, we saw that 3,000 people came to know Jesus on that day at that event. And if we're thinking about Pentecost, there must be a link between Pentecost and people finding new life in Jesus. We want to see a harvest of souls. And that was true of the first Pentecost. They gave their lives to Jesus, they found eternal life in him. So Pentecost gives us hope for harvest. So that's how it's grown out of the Old Testament. And it's saying something to us today. Isn't it wonderful to see men and women and children finding new life in Jesus? I went to a meeting yesterday morning. I'll tell you more about it later. But uh, just after it, met a guy I know who's from a church uh, in East Dulwich. And he's a street pastor in Southwark. And uh, if you know street pastors, they go out into the night to try and help people and be a peaceful uh, and positive presence on the streets. He said, we were in McDonald's in Peckham Rye Lane at one o'clock in the morning for a break. And he said, I went to get some food and drinks. And the two ladies that were with me were talking to a man at the table. And uh, then I came back and they said, well, we've been talking to this guy and he wants to become a Christian. Would you pray for him? So this, this guy I know, Tim, sat down about half past one, Friday night, Saturday morning, led this guy called Patrick to the Lord. So harvest is something 
to do with Pentecost and that link is there and it's good to know that right here in London this weekend people are finding Jesus and coming to know him. Secondly, it's a celebration of God's word. There's another link there. One of the major events in the Old Testament is the Exodus. God's people are rescued from slavery and they begin their journey to the promised land. You probably know that part of the story. And 50 days, Pentecost, after the Exodus, God gave the law or the word to Moses on Mount Sinai. So there's a link there. And in between the Old and the New Testament times, the Jews started to celebrate that anniversary. So on the 50th, God made his covenant with us. He gave his word to us. And so at Pentecost, we can celebrate the gift of the word of God embodied in Jesus, but given to us in the Bible that we can read and engage with. So at Pentecost, let's celebrate the giving of God's word. And it's a wonderful thing. And lots of people uh, may be leaving their Bibles on the shelf, gathering dust or not bothering to uh, click on their phones and read the Word of God. But it's a wonderful gift to them. And even that original uh, Ten Commandments, if you think about it, love God, worship him and put him first. Honor your parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie and don't desire everyone else's stuff. If people did that, the world would be a much better place. And that was given. There's so much more in God's word that he's given to us. But we can't do it in our own strength. We can't force ourselves to be good and true and right just with our own efforts. We need the grace of God. We need to soak ourselves in the word of God. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And there's another link with Exodus and Pentecost Um, And if you remember when Moses was away receiving the law, what did the people do? They made calf of gold and worshipped that and went against God. And what happened at that event is 3,000 people died. So when they turned away from God and sinned against God and rebelled against him, 3,000 people died. But on the day of Pentecost celebrating God's word 3,000 people were made alive in the Holy Spirit so it's a wonderful thing and we're celebrating the fulfillment of God's word we said that before and Joel chapter 2 says this afterwards I'll pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions even on my servants both men and women I will pour out my spirit in those days And if you read on in Acts chapter 2, and James read it for us, Peter points back to that prophecy in Joel and quotes it and says, this, what you're seeing today, is that what was prophesied in the Old Testament. It's called a Pesha, P-E-S-H-E-R, an interpretation of an Old Testament passage in the light of its fulfillment in the new. So God gave that word prophetically, And it's being fulfilled today. He's honoured his word. He's fulfilled his word. And he's come and poured out his spirit. So let's rejoice in God's word and the fulfilment that he'll pour out his spirit on us, on you and on me. There's also a reversing the curse with Pentecost as well. In Genesis 11, it says this. So the Lord scattered the people 
from there all over the earth. And they stopped building the city they were building. That's why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So humanity was uniting together in pride and opposition to God. And God confused their languages and scattered them to stop the spread of sin. And to break some of that power of rebellion. And the people were scattered. But on the day of Pentecost, there was supernatural speech. The disciples were given that gift of speaking other languages they didn't understand. And people, there's 15 nations mentioned. Uh, James got a difficult uh, deal reading out those different names. Some of them are quite complicated there. But they represent the people of the world from east and from west. And on the day of Pentecost, instead of people remaining scattered, people are gathered together. They hear the good news about Jesus in their own language, in their own dialect. And they come and gather to him. But it's not safe to see the world united in opposition to God. But it is safe and right to see the nations of the world gathering to King Jesus and being united And the gospel crosses those barriers, doesn't it? And it reverses the curse of Babel. And then finally, the other link, Pentecost to Parousia. People have said this is the final act of Jesus' saving ministry when he came to earth. He was conceived, he was born, God became flesh in Jesus. He grew up in life, he was perfect in obedience to Father God. He died for us on the cross, he was buried, then he rose again from the dead in the resurrection. Then he ascended back to heaven, his final act as it were is to pour out the Holy Spirit upon us so we can continue the mission of God in this world. And that's what happens and there's no other event that we're expecting until Jesus comes again. So Pentecost is the final part of that ministry, he pours out the Spirit on us. And then he sends us as a missionary body around the world until the parousia. And that means the appearing or the coming of Jesus again to close this age and to open the new age to come. So this is the last great event of Jesus saving ministry on earth. He pours out the spirit so the gospel can go to the whole earth. So that's a little bit of the significance of Pentecost. Do study it, do look at it, and it's wonderful to see links between Old and New Testament and how things were given prophetically and then fulfilled. What's the necessity of Pentecost? What's the necessity of Pentecost? A body without spirit is dead. The church without the Holy Spirit is dead. We know that a human body without spirit inside us is dead. And the church without the Holy Spirit is dead. It's just a a human institution. And the truth is we need God. We need the presence of God. We need the reality of knowing God. We need the power of God to be who God is making us to be. Spiritual life without being born again by the Holy Spirit is impossible. You can't have spiritual life unless you meet God and the Spirit regenerates you. Discipleship, seeking to follow Jesus and practice our faith without the Holy Spirit in our lives is impossible. We can't do it. It's not just self-help, making ourselves a bit better. We need the presence and power 
of God with us. Understanding the gospel, understanding God's word without the Holy Spirit of truth revealing it to us and teaching it to us is impossible. Fellowship without the Holy Spirit of unity is impossible, but we're drawn together as the Spirit uh, is in me and the Spirit's in you. We're family together and God's Spirit fills us up as the temple or the family of God. Christ-like character without the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is impossible. Effective witness, so you can help explain the gospel to others, is impossible without the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit. We need the presence of God. Let's call on him and receive it and receive the Holy Spirit in a full way. Luke wrote the book of Acts and 57 times in the book he talks about the Holy Spirit. So it's really, really important to know that we're not just trying to be better people. We're not just operating our own strength, but we need and totally depend on the presence and power of God. Christian writer and leader Andrew Murray from the 20th century uh, thought about the disciples and he looked at their lives. I don't know if you thought about them in those uh, Gospels. And he thought they were around Jesus for three years and they didn't seem to change very much. So they were arguing. uh, They wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy people they thought were God's enemies. They were competing for the best place uh, alongside Jesus at the table. And they'd been around Jesus for three years. How much had they changed? But then Pentecost came. Jesus died, rose again, and poured out the Spirit. And they seemed to change massively. And Andrew Murray, it's not perfect, whatever. His idea was having Jesus kind of alongside them and being in his orbit had some effect. But when he left and poured out the Spirit and they had Jesus inside of them by the power of the Holy Spirit, then they really, really started to change. And they were the men that turn the world upside down. So we don't just want to know Jesus over there. We want to have Jesus in our lives, in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So it's absolutely necessary. The experience of Pentecost next. And uh, if you put up the next slide as well, Tom, let's just read these words again. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. And we're not trying to recreate Pentecost, that day's happened, but we are wanting to be in the good of it. Christian leader called John Stott says, there's no need for us to wait as the 120 had to wait for the Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit did come at the day of Pentecost and has never left the church. Our responsibility is to humble ourselves before God's authority to be determined not to quench the Spirit, but to allow the Spirit free reign in our lives and in the church to move us and mobilize us. 
There's a number of things there and there's more things in the passage that James read. Uh, He read further down. But I want to finish by looking at a few things and then we can pray. And the first is that they were all together. And one of the features of Pentecost is the unity that was there ready to receive the power of God. It says in verse 1, they were all together in one place. It says in the Psalms, in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. In John 17, Jesus prays that his followers may be one. It says in Acts 1, they were together of one accord. And on in Acts chapter 2, after this, it says they devoted themselves to one another. And Acts chapter 4, they were one heart and soul. And so getting together and being together in unity and love is a precursor often to the move and the flowing of the Holy Spirit. It's also a fruit of it as well. So if we come together united, wanting more of God, wanting his power, wanting him to change our lives, confessing our need of him, if we have that desire and come together, God often moves. That was one of the features, the precursor of Pentecost. Secondly, a sound like a violent wind. And you may wonder why those photos are there. Uh, I decided to go to a meeting yesterday. And uh, some of you know geography of this part of London will realise that's the Salvation Army College Training Centre at Denmark Hill, just around the corner from King's College Hospital. And it's quite tall. Apparently it's, I don't know if it's because it's on a hill or the height of the actual building, you get up as high as the top of St Paul's Cathedral when you're up there. And the photo in the middle, you probably can't see that clearly, is the very top level of the tower. And a number of Christians, and I joined them yesterday, got together to pray in the spirit of Pentecost over London. And uh, in that tower, you can see out all four directions. So you can see uh, a sweep of the whole of London from the top of that tower. So we prayed uh, for an hour or so over London. And the final picture is uh, taken out of that window there. But one of the things that uh, struck me, the weather wasn't brilliant, was it? In fact, that was kind of five minutes of sun, that photo. But uh, there's no glass in those windows, and you're on the top of the tower. And the wind was really blowing fiercely through it. Uh, We had to kind of cling on to a corner sometimes, not to get blown over by the wind. It was very, very powerful. And one of the things about Pentecost was, it doesn't say an actual wind, it says the sound of a violent wind came and I was experiencing that sound yesterday and the thought I had was it's a bit like the engines of an aeroplane and without that sound that kicks in when you're going to go up the, the runway and take off you're stuck there you're sat on the runway and you're not going very far but when the engines kick in and you get that roar you get the forward momentum And one of the things about Pentecost maybe is the power of the Spirit pushes us forward, pushes us out as a church, bring God's power into our life, ignites something in us. And we need that fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. And if we're a bit stale, if the cobwebs are there in the spirit of Pentecost today, let's ask for a fresh 
wind to blow through our lives. If we feel there are blockages and barriers inside us, and that's stopping the flow of the Holy Spirit, as Yvonne said, let's have those chains broken in us even today. And let's see the power and the wonder of God flow through our lives and fire up the church. Next image is one of fire. It talks about uh, fire coming down and separating out and being uh, on each of them. And uh, if you ever go to a traditional church, you see those, those funny hats that bishops wear. You see them, you think, that's weird, isn't it? They walk around with this hat. That's meant to represent a tongue of fire, so all the bishops should be on fire for God. That's what it represents. But in the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesied, under God's glory, a fire will be kindled like a burning flame. And John the Baptist said, one is coming, Jesus, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And just like we need the power of the wind to blow through us and energize us again and blow the cobwebs away, we need the fire of God to ignite in us. I don't know what you feel like. Um, I think I was probably a bit burnt out when I went on the sabbatical and uh, God renewed me in that time away but I remember going to an old church building on an estate and walking in and it was just freezing cold in this old building that was like a museum how far away is that from the church of Jesus Christ that's meant to be on fire with the Holy Spirit I just felt it needed someone needed to light fire in that building get a bit of warmth and life and light and we need the Holy Spirit's fire to come and ignite us again, to give us a passion again, to push us out again. And I remember getting some of that fire, and I want the Lord on the day of Pentecost that we're celebrating today to kindle that fire and fan it into flame again. I remember from being a very nervous, quiet, shy person, I know I'm like that, uh, couldn't stand up in front of people totally paranoid God worked in my life and set fire in my life and one of the the earliest things I did as a Christian was to do Christian open airs uh, in the middle of Brixton in the middle of the Brixton riots time and it was a fire that God had lit it was a great time actually it's brilliant it's really good to talk to people but instead of shying away instead of clamming up instead of feeling feeble and weak God could put a spark and a fire, and I want more of that fire today. And in the spirit of Pentecost, let's have a fire that helps us to look above our circumstances and to look out to the world and have a passion to make a change in Jesus' name. And it's for everyone, and wonderful picture there. And it says they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation. It doesn't literally specify every nation, but it specifies people from the east of that area, people from the west of that area, and some Arabs down south of that area. It represents people around the world. And Joel's prophecy is quoted by Peter, and we read it earlier on. And the gospel and the presence and power of God and the gift at Pentecost and the filling of the Holy Spirit is for everyone worldwide. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who repents and turns to the Lord and gives their life to Jesus can be filled with God's Spirit. It's a wonderful gift 
for anyone in the world. And it's for you and it's for me. It's for us today. And it's to spread to others as well. It's not racist. All people can receive. It's not sexist. It talks about your sons and your daughters receiving this gift. It's not ageist. The young and the old can be blessed by God and by his spirit. It's not elitist. The slave and the free both can receive. So the wonderful presence and power of God is no longer, like in the Old Testament, going to reside with one or two special people temporarily. The spirit is available to everyone that will come to the Lord and open up their hearts and lives to him and humbly receive. It's for you. So don't self-exclude. Don't think, I can't receive that gift. Don't think, God's given up on me. Don't think it's right for you to, to shy away. Just say, Lord, I'm included. I'm included. I want that gift. I want it fanned into flame again. I want to be renewed in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And then one or two more as we finish. It starts in prayer. Uh, just in the chapter before, 120 people got together and they were worshipping and praying away. I'm really pleased that we can do that here in our gathering. and We've got time set aside this week to do that. The coming and outpouring of the Holy Spirit starts in prayer and the people gather together for that. And then we just need to ask. We need to ask. And this is uh, Luke's other book, the Gospel of Luke. And some of you will know this very well, but I thought it's worth repeating as we close our time. Luke 11. So I say to you, ask And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers? It's Father's Day next week. If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And you just need to ask and keep on asking. You get the story of the, uh, the widow banging on, a person banging on the door until the guy gets up at night or the widow demanding justice from the judge. Don't give up if you're serious about wanting God's blessing, God's spirit in your life or that, f- that flame that you've had being rekindled then just ask and keep on asking. What's the experience look like? It can look like different things. In Jesus, the Spirit descended upon him in his earthly ministry. It says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus had the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus, we can feel those things. In Acts, it talks about it like clothing coming upon you. And some people feel that. It talks about a baptism or immersion, or plunging into the Spirit of God. It talks about the Spirit falling upon a person. And some people feel the Spirit coming upon them and falling on them. Some people fall over uh, in the presence and power of God. It talks about the Spirit being poured out like a waterfall, like a tropical rainstorm, like a power shower. The Spirit and the blessing of God can come upon you. It talks about being filled with the Spirit and receiving the Spirit. And that's available to us. It's available to you. Uh, We're going to offer prayer 
in the last part of our service. But uh, even if you don't come forward today, just think, what a difference is God going to make in my life if I open up and receive the presence and power and fullness of his spirit? Uh, I didn't know uh, Yvonne was going to mention some of her early experience, but I remember... Uh, being at university just after I'd become a Christian and someone's saying that there's more of God you've got the spirit you've given your life to God but you can be filled with the spirit and I began to hear about that and I remember being prayed for and, and often the spirit's released when people lay their hands on you and pray for you and I remember feeling uh, a fresh freedom in worship and a commitment to God and more of a love for him and his words and I remember one particular meeting, it talks about this gift of other languages, gift of tongues, going to a meeting in a church in Streatham in the early latest, led by a Christian leader called John Wimber, and getting prayed for for the first time, having that gift of tongues that's been a prayer language and something important for spiritual warfare. That's a little bit of my story. So the day of Pentecost, it's happened, the Spirit's poured out. God's available to you by his spirit. He wants to fill you up. And we want to give time to to prayer and a bit more worship this morning. Uh, I'd like us to pray for each other. And then I'd like us to give time at the end to to come forward and receive prayer. I remember a friend of mine years ago uh, wanted the spirit and nothing was happening. And she'd been prayed for a few times and nothing had happened. And then I went round and spent about an hour there and prayed for her and nothing happened. And then I got called a couple of days later and the next day when she was having a shower, she just felt the Holy Spirit come upon her. So it doesn't always happen immediately, but it can today. You can be filled or refilled today by God's Holy Spirit.